0: Yeah, I mean, in general, I mean, you can ask the question, but the answer is going to be in general. um, There's a romanticism that people throw on top of this commoditized thing in order to differentiate it when all you really have to do is differentiate the thing. You know what I mean? Right. Um, It's not so much the fancy label or the box or the story or you know how your granddaddy was a tobacco plant or your uncle smuggled seeds in his ass and you know <laughs> all those things don't matter right the the thing that really matters is do, are you everyone knows everyone in the cigar business generally knows how to make a cigar just like that okay but all the things you have to do to do it that's the hard part it's hard making those decisions.
1: You're listening to Box Press, where we are passionate about cigars and how to care for them. Welcome everyone. Another episode of Box Press. I'm your host, Rob, and I have Skip, Martin, and Michael here in-house with Roma Craft Cigars. Uh, Guys, tell me a little bit about what we're smoking today to start it off.
0: Yeah, so this is, uh, we're both smoking uh, one of the Neanderthals uh, the ex- new three sizes. Uh, I'm smoking the Corona. I believe Mike, Mike is smoking, and you're smoking the JCF, which is a 50 ring gauge. Uh, these are three sizes we introduced. Uh, it was kind of always in our plan to extend the line a little bit once we kind of got settled in the production. These are great because they're, uh, these are all with our new our new production of San Andreas. It's a new process for us. Okay. Uh, we kind of slowed down production, closed out our old tobacco and this is our new San Andreas, and um, they're even better than than they were for the first couple of years.
2: So, yeah. and they come in fifteen Great. count boxes. So, nice. It's a little easier than the 50, 50 count. Yeah, it's sure. a
1: little bit easier stomach. When you said uh, new San Andreas, were you talking about like you just picked a new farmer to buy tobacco from and wanted to use that? Well, there's better?
0: only there's only a couple of sources mm-hmm. of San Andreas right. tobacco uh, in in that region of Mexico. Um, historically, they have always grown, uh, cultivated, harvested, uh, cured, and then done the fermentation in San Andreas. So it's essentially the same tobacco, but it's much, much better processed. Okay.
1: So So. this difference necessarily isn't where it's coming from. It's just the fact that they've adopted a new way to kind of store it and ferment it.
0: Ferment it and cure it. Yeah. Perfect.
1: Cool. That's. (laughs) <laughs> Something that I would not have
0: noticed. So it's great. Just uh, by knowing about the cigar. I mean, fermenting thick tobacco generally is, is, is a little bit of a tricky thing because the longer you ferment, the easier it is to screw it up and the more of it gets broken and handled. And so you generally yield is if you bring in X number of pounds, what percentage of that actually turns out into real good high quality wrapper leaf. Gotcha. And so by doing it in smaller quantities, they get better consistency in the fermentation and they get less breakage and um, They can do it slower at lower temperatures, which yields which uh, yields a higher quality because you get the fermentation, but without losing a lot of the flavor and oils and resins and things that are in the tobacco. So um, all around, it's just a much better product. Same price, much better quality, which means which generally is kind of what we go for. Right, (laughs) exactly.
1: Keep the price nice and uh, keep the quality high. Right. It kind of leads into what I've heard. I guess several people at this organization and you yourself say is craft generates craft or craft attracts craft and the idea behind if we're producing good craft and good product from that craft then we are also going to reap the rewards of people wanting to buy that craft or be a part of that craft
0: yeah so you know even in that sentence right there you used it about 12 times yeah and you know especially after the craft beer movement the term itself has just become a marketing term Right, Mm -hmm. And it's become an overused, hackneyed kind of term. Um, Craft for me and and for Mike, uh, what it means to us is, it's the difference between somebody making something that's a handcrafted product and someone that kind of turns a physical thing from uh, a a kind of emotional uh, connection to, or a passion for something that they're doing. I'll give you an example. You know Bob Dyer from Dyer Metal Works. Everything they do in their shop is craft. I mean, it's craft. He's talking about Wicked Amble. Yeah, wicked on the right. cigar side is Wicked Amble, right? They make things out of metal, which is right. machines, welding. It's all hand work. Um, but when we come to them and say, "Hey, man, I, I've got this really cool idea for this, you know, sliding door, or um, I've got a really cool idea for a piece of furniture or a piece of art like like this one." that's where it turns into, we both get kind of emotionally connected to, well, we could do this really cool thing. And they, you know, we could use this technique that that really kind of goes beyond kind of the general day-to-day work they do into doing something that is more of like a physical manifestation of that passion to do something different and special, right? So um, I think that's what differentiates, that's why we're a craft product, not a boutique cigar company. I don't know what boutique really means anymore, but <laughs> we're, we are small. We're, we make a handcrafted product, but Mike or I is involved in every single aspect of our business from selection of the tobacco to, um, the rollers, the, their lives, the, the every little piece of furniture we make, uh, every visit we make to a store, the, there's the craft aspect to the relationship, which is a constructed thing. Um, so, and, and I think, um, Generally, what that means is that something's going to be more expensive, right? Um, so our whole model has been how to do those things in that way, but do it so efficiently with so little waste of time movement material that we're still able to deliver a higher quality product for, uh, you know, what would be a kind of a, a fair, you know, lower of the upper end of price. So that's really where we've differentiated ourselves
2: well to, add, to kind of add to that i think you know as a cons from a consumer standpoint there there are companies out there that say this is a premium cigar and a cigar is x whatever that price is right so let's say you know uh i would say anything kind of 12 dollars or more is, is kind of the mindset for most people that that that's you know premium and <clears throat> it kind of has a, a certain price point because they say that that's what the price point is right, right? so for us, we've always tried to be super transparent in what we do, so we can show what that value is. Not that we have a, a ton of products that are that are at the twelve dollars price point. As a matter of fact, I mean, the bulk of our stuff is kind of at that seven to eight dollar price point, and 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 try to bring something that that is it's it's crafted, and yet it's a fair price, right? So it's simple but substantial.
1: Right, so. and kind of what I heard both of you kind of talking about was. It's not necessarily that it's crafted or it's handcrafted or that it's premium. It's to the fact that there's a passion behind it. And it's a personal one, not a business one necessarily. So you're taking a personal aspect. And I also kind of noted that in some of the stuff that's been publicized of how personal it gets all the way down to the factory workers that you guys hire. Right. So you're taking that personal relationship and you kind of set it in um, what you're talking about, Skip, was we have a personal relationship with not only the people that we work with, but also people that are working for us. And we wanna make sure that they're taken care of well.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, passion may be the second most overused term. <laughs> I don't know which one's worse, craft right. or passion, but um, yeah, um, absolutely the, you know, we, we, I smoke cigars. I wanted to make cigars. I wanted to be in the business of making cigars. Mike as well. We're really in the business of taking care of our families, and that—that that means all you know, sixty families that are part of our organization, sure. right? Uh, here at the office, you know, six out of the seven people that are here on, at any given time are part of two families. You know, my family and Mike's family. I'm um, at the factory. There's you know another forty families for you know sixty-seven or so people. So, um, you know, we 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 have husband and wife teams. You know, we have brother and sister teams. We have sister, sister, brother, brother. Um, You know, we we know when kids are born. We know uh, when, you know, someone dies. We know uh, someone has a kid going into college, someone having a kid graduating out of college, uh, someone who has a brother or cousin that gets in trouble and goes to jail. Um, So all those things, you know, are a part of, as important to us as picking out tobacco.
1: I want to go back a little bit to what you were talking about before, where you said um, kind of like a community aspect to this whole business and how that's really important. So it sounds like that's the same thing that you've created here, only more on kind of a familial side. You wanted your organization to run very um, integrated with family and trust and respect and have that be kind of like a synergy that everyone can work from.
0: Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's a cycle. So it's kind of i mean obviously our goal like every company is to return value to the capital that's invested i mean that's our end goal um our way of getting there is through the other processes
1: how do cigars create that social community that you kind of have built with inside your organization
2: well i think it establishes culture like you have to set the culture first right so early on, well, you know, we, we don't really like getting into the, the topic of how you come up with the names, but when we came up with the name Cro-Magnon, Cro-Magnon it was an early modern human, EMH, and they, they it had a culture, right? So they, they you know, they, they traveled together, they buried, they, you know, they had these rituals, um, you know, in, in our culture, uh, in the cigar community, in a cigar shop, we all have our, you know, our cutters and, you know, uh, torches and humidors and you know all these other things. In in our culture, it's uh, you know, it's very well accepted, right? But if someone's a non smoker or a cigar smoker, they would probably look at us and think, you know, what a caveman, you know, kind of thing, right? So here in Texas, you know, it's very common to have barbecues and uh, cookouts and have, you know, very familiar kind of uh meetings on a weekly basis or monthly basis with your family and friends and you go to the lake and, you know, you go out and play golf, you do all these things together. So Going back to the factory, setting the culture was, you know, we're an Austin-based company and going down to Nicaragua was, you know, it was very important for for them to kind of understand that, you know, everything kind of starts at this level, right? So there's, 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 at each stage, there's a culture, right? And so we had to establish that culture early on with, you know, working with people out of Esteli, Nicaragua that didn't really quite understand, even though, it could be explained, but to kind of understand that, you know, this this starts right here in your hand. Right. And it, and it ends up, you know, kind of at the finish line of the consumer, you know, but but there's a long process to get there, right? So that's, that to me is kind of uh, something that was really kind of instilled early on for our company in both Roma and Nicosueño. But I think, you know, Skip can add on to that.
0: Yeah, so I think making or just working in tobacco in general is such an intrinsic part of the sle Lee. Uh, way of life now. Um, it would be sure. like uh, someone who grew up in Pittsburgh in the 50s in the steel mill. You know, there's nothing super exceptional about it. It's just a steel town, right? Or or the Appalachians being a coal guy, right? It's just sure. your dad did it, your granddad did it, your brother and sister do it in some fashion. Everybody's in that industry. So um, in some ways, it wasn't that, you know, the way we you know, romanticized tobacco and the way we talk about cigars, the people in, that work in Esteli generally don't think of it that way. It's like it's a good paying job. In fact, rolling cigars, if you're really good at it, you make as much as a lawyer or a doctor uh, in in Esteli. So wow. it's a good trade job. Um, the, the I think that what we kind of changed from an organizational culture perspective like what Mike's talking about is we really wanted all of our people to have a good sense of what it was they were making. You know, you know, you're not just making a widget; you're making an artisan prod, product. Right. And this is this is this is the difference between kind of what you've done before. You know, when your goal was just to make 300 of something a day that passed the check mark of quality control, and now what you're making, in terms of something that's viewed as exceptionally different than the average products. And those are the only kind of products we make, you know, in our factory, we don't make anything but the super premium stuff. So we have a super premium kind of mindset that we had to build from the first two employees. you know, um, and that goes from the quality of the materials, the quality of the boxes, the, the processes we have in terms of our rules about when something doesn't, pass, you know, something that would easily pass in some places for us becomes a Segundo. And we, you know, we just focus sure. on making fewer of those. So
1: those um, are the ones we see on your Instagram page, right? Just, <laughs> right. Oh, this is a really, yeah, that's what I smoke. It's a yeah. really bummer cigar that's just <laughs> absolutely enjoyable. But boy, it just didn't pass the and test. That, so yeah. Skip will smoke it for you. But exactly. everything you get will be phenomenal.
2: Right, right. Usually it's an aesthetic issue at that point. But, right. Um, I mean, you know, you're kind of talking about, you know, community and and you know, and, and culture. I mean, you kind of look over here. You know, we have, I don't know, four or five different groups that come in here a day. That just kind of want to. They come from right. all over the world. You know, they want to. What's Rumocraft all about? Yeah. And you know, how, how do you become, you know, part of the culture that we've kind of created, right? And right. and there are guys in that humidor right there that you know, they they a couple of guys from New York, a guy from San Antonio. You know, they just they just come in, right? And we've yeah. we've embraced that. Some other cigar makers, yeah, uh, people right. on the road. I, yeah. I mean, we
0: built this place, obviously. This is, there's probably no other premium cigar company headquarters like this.
1: And I mean, you will get a tour later, so be sure to check <laughs> that video out. So
0: Yeah, so, I mean, we built this place to be kind of, you know, whether it's this ashtray or whether it's these cups or whether it's the the metal tray that slides out that the coffee things go in, every single thing here has that kind of, if I'm going to do something, I want to do it really high quality and really cool right? so that people, you know, whether it's, you know, one of our lighters from, you know, you pick it up and go, this is different. Or, you know, even our labels on the cigars that cost less than a couple of pennies, you know, you could be smoking Rome cigars for months or years and then never realize that there's stuff printed underneath the label, that, that, right. that it's two labels, you know, sure. and then I go like, holy cow, that's super cool. Or even the texture of the paper. Those are all things that are very well thought through.
1: Right, it's a. So. There's a reason behind it. Yeah, I do like the raised lettering on this. Yeah, I like it. So simple. Obviously, your kind of theme and your style is very simple, um, but it has a lot of substance to it. And then more importantly, probably to me, from what I see, is it has a lot of um, passion. Uh, <laughs> passion is the wrong word, but um, it has a lot of like. I want to be able to try that. It has a. People want to covet it. So from that perspective, and both of you have done a good job of that because I think, Skip, you did it when you owned your smoke shop. You would get cigars from factories that were kind of, hey, this wasn't the right blend for that uh, cigar manufacturer. But then you would go and buy it and say, hey, at my shop, I only have X number of cigars. But if you really like it, come in and get it. How have you taken that aspect of, hey, this is available, but it's of a limited quantity and if you want it get it now or create kind of like a desire to get that how well, have you taken that into roma craft
0: well, the nature of the cigar business is without going in and I could talk for hours about this but the nature of the cigar business is is that the material occurs, occurs on a bell curve and for every one of something really high quality there's two of something that are you know, upper, middle, level quality. There's five of the things in the middle, and, and and then there's lower quality things, right? So just by the nature of the way tobacco grows, um, if you're going to buy broadleaf, you and you're going to make a super premium cigar out of broadleaf. There's only a very limited amount of quality, a quantity of of real high quality tobacco that you're going to get. Some years you're going to get none. Some years you're going to get a little bit more, but that availability kind of defines. How much you can make of something, right? If you want to make more, then you basically have to start buying more of, of the lower quality stuff, and then you got to figure out products you make that are secondary and gotcha tertiary products. So you have to products. be able
1: to use that <coughs> less grade product and put it out, and that just doesn't fit inside right. your wheelhouse of what you want to put out,
0: right? So if you're going to make a lot of Liga Bravadas, then you also got to make some under, undercrown[s] and you got to make some Papa Fritas, and then you got to put some of that tobacco in acid cigars or whatever, sure, right? So you have to. Um, have a, this waterfall of products, just to, to make a million really great cigars, just for the wrapper leaf, you have to figure out this waterfall of products to make it work. One of the really interesting things about our company is, uh, we don't work with a really big factor that has access to tons of tobacco, like a lot of small brand guys do. We go out and buy the tobacco that we want to use. And we've really engaged a lot of capital to buy enough that we, that we can make it consistently over years. But that we only make super premium cigars and that we use more than 30 different kinds of tobacco to, to, to make the blends that we make, um, that's what really makes us, I think, really exceptional because there are factors that use as much variety of tobacco we do that are, but they're very, very large and they have to make a lot of those waterfall products to make that work. We sure. said, hey, here's this interesting tobacco I want to use. We go out and build this thing around it and then we try to figure out how much it's going to cost instead of saying, Hey, here's a brand we developed from a marketing perspective, let's go build a product to fit that brand. It's kind of the exact, it's the way it should be. It's let's build a product. Let's smoke it for a little while. Yeah, we love that. What do you want to call it? What does the art look like? How, how much are we going to charge for it? Where do we sell it? Sure. All It comes in the order it should be in, as sure. opposed to five marketing guys going, we're going to create this grand, you know, great idea. And right. then what tobaccos do we have left over that we can make something that works for that? Okay. And so I think that also manifests itself into each product we make is super high quality. Okay. Cause it's not the, the, the product itself is not a byproduct or an afterthought. It's, sure. it's what we do. So even the femur it's the, a huge high fe- quality product
1: that <laughs> so, everyone can enjoy.
0: <laughs> well, the femur was, um, I was drunk in a, a bar <laughs> and saw one of them big bottles of, uh, Grey goose vodka or something. I'm sure. like, I wonder if we could do that with a cigar. Yeah. And then no. uh, we made, we only made a hundred of them. So the shadow that it casts is a lot greater than its, <laughs> than its footprint. I'll have to but. try to
1: tackle one of those if I can get my hands on one. Just, <laughs> you, it's uh, it's not try worth it. See if we can smoke it.
0: <laughs> it's not worth it.
1: Uh, you'll see some B roll footage of that later. It's pretty good. So we were talking about the femur, obviously, kind of a unicorn cigar. I did end up going through Charlie uh, Charlie's, uh, he, from Half Wheel, Charlie has a bunch of cigars that are limited release, and we kind of in the industry call them unicorn cigars, and you've produced a few of them, a few of these unicorn cigars, and I would even say that maybe the Craft Series is one of those uh, unicorn cigars as well that I would I would like to always get my hands on a box of that, so how have you kind of taken that into your production line of, maybe you don't call it a unicorn Well, cigar.
0: unicorn, Okay, back in my day, in the 90s, unicorn was a cigar that you heard existed you never seen one right and that's why they called them unicorns because like theoretically they exist a myth myth you know from a myth perspective right. and, you know there was always like the things like the the fuente in, between the yeah. lines or oh, right. you know it's like it's a sh- it's a bestseller but it's a barber pole and you're like i think i saw a picture of it somewhere in the vault of the fuente you know, <laughs> Aging room, but I don't know that I've ever seen one. If I did, I would I would love right. to try it. I mean, and then I've you have never seen a femur, and then, by the way. <laughs> and then you get it, and it turns out it's just basically just the same as as you know the. It never lives up to expectations. I think that that term has become a little more loose in yep. the terms of like super limited releases. Um, I mean, and in some ways, everything we make is limited, in the sense that. Okay. We don't have any line that's over 300,000. We don't have any single Vitola that's over 100,000.
1: And how uh, does that compare to then other companies then? You're I mean, just give people a perspective of like 300,000 is really small. Uh,
0: 300,000 for a brand like cro or Aqua you know, or Intemperance or Neanderthal is a really small number. A million is a small number. OK, um, I mean, to give you some perspective, uh, Padron, which is a fairly limited kind of product. The, the Padron probably makes less than 7 to 8 million cigars a year. Wow. Uh, we make a million. Drew Estate probably makes uh, more cigars in one day than we make in two months. Wow. So, okay. I mean, they're probably up near the 40, 50 million mark. Yeah, it's like 130,000. Scandinavia a then probably. is
1: Roma Craft a unicorn? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what do you guys preferably like to smoke on a daily basis? And Man, does it change?
2: Yeah, it's all over the map. Um, you know, every once in a while, I, typically for me, um, I, I kind of sprinkle in some some stuff from the Dominican. So, uh, there are some lines from Davidoff, from Fuente, uh, La Florida Minicana that I really enjoy. Um, I, you know, Nick Malilo's uh, foundation, Steve Saka stuff is is really good. Um, you know, so I'm just kind of all over the map. I mean, I, I really, you know, one, you kind of have to smoke other people's products just to kind of see what's going on in the market. Uh, and the other the other thing is, is, you know, you're looking for somebody that's going to come up with something unique. You know, we feel like, you know, we've done a really good job of using a lot of tobaccos that are really unique in, in combinations like Broadleaf and Cameroon, or uh, Brazil Arapiraca and Indonesian, and these, these types of, because uh, uh, we kind of take a, a craft beer you know, it's kind of like, what can you come up with that nobody else really kind of has used? And so you're kind of looking to see if other people can can bring something to the table. Sure.
1: You have the same ingredients, but you want to see if you can make something different yeah, out of it. Absolutely.
2: And it's a, it's amazing how
0: similar the, the actual ingredients that are available. Right. You, you know, people talk about it like they have some kind of magical tobacco <laughs> or whatever. The, the reality is there's, you know, seven or eight kind of varieties of tobacco. And there's within that, there's, you know, there's only so much in the palate that you can use. So. Right. Um, I, I The majority of what I smoke is just tobacco, so we go and buy, um, you know, 50 new Cantales of, of Jalapa Seco or the, the new Esteli Hero comes in or this is Esteli Hero we bought last year, but I'm opening a new 100 pounds of it and I want to kind of just check it and it looks kind of different, so I want to check it. Um, that's what I smoke a lot, so I, I smoke you know yep. inch or two of, of little fumas kind of constantly at the factory, okay. uh, especially when anytime there's any kind of transition in the supply, or when we're looking at purchasing new supply. Skip,
1: do you are you the primary blender then of everything that you
0: do? With... um You know blending, I think you know this is a title that people want to give themselves. It's like you know it's really like almost anything significant achievement is it's not one person. Um, you know, if you, if you had to say, you know, who blended Cro-Magnon, I had a cigar that was blended by another factory that I was trying to match and Mike and Esteban got together and made something as close as possible. And out of the five or six things they made together, I chose the one that I liked the most. Okay. Um, Temperance E C was pretty much almost all Esteban. Uh, even though we tried to do different versions, the one that he came out with out of the gate was the one we, was the best. Out um, of was probably more Mike and I, um, Esteban's experience with the rapper and kind of us putting a filler underneath it. Um, Neanderthal was really mostly me. Um, that was kind of something I worked on for a couple of years and that was kind of my you know these thesis statement sure you know okay and now i know a little bit about what the fuck i'm doing right um and then Wonderlust uh really was uh esteban me and uh philip schuster Uh, the distributors in europe yeah yeah. it was really philip saying here's blends that we use with modafina and then me and esteban going and going well what if we did this thing and what if we did that thing and then you know very frequently when we blend it's we kind of, we don't take 97 versions to get to what we want. It's, you kind of know the tobacco well enough to know you're kind of narrowed in on it when you roll the first cigar. And then it's really, where do you put the break and the filler? It's more construction and other things than it is changing the recipe. It's kind of like, if you're gonna make tomato sauce, you know you're gonna use tomatoes, garlic, whatever. you know that from the beginning, because you know the ingredients, yep. then it's just how much of it do you use and what order do we put it in and what temperature and those kinds of things. So, right. um, you know, we don't have a master blender. I don't know what a master right. blender is. If if you pressed me to say, who who do I know who's a master blender? You know, there's um, Eladio Diaz, there's, uh, uh, you know, Benji Menendez, there's, you know, there's not a lot. And and, okay. and these are guys who know everything from the farm, the curing barn, the fermentation, the, the uh, aging, the, the production, you know, the physical construction, you know, how it needs to go into the, the packaging process. Because every there are things in each one of those aspects that affect how a cigar tastes and performs. So if you're a really good tobacco guy, or like a farmer you don't understand anything about, you know, the, the process on the end. Right. Um, I think what's great about our uh, kind of, you know, three-legged stool, Mike and Esteban and I, I am a really super strong tobacco guy, and that's, there's a lot of the market that's like that. Um, sometimes, if, if you, you know, only smoke medium kind of cigars, or you're like a super taster, It's like hearing a bunch of cacophony of kind of a noise. You can't differentiate, but that's where I do really well is in strong flavors. Um, Mike does a lot better on the the, the mild to medium end and tasting things that I don't pick up differences like he does, small nuances. Esteban's kind of expertise really is, here's a tobacco today. This is what it's gonna be like six months from now, a year from now, two years from now. Gotcha. And this is how you process this tobacco to get it the right way. This is how you, you know, use this tobacco. This is the place you put this tobacco in the, in the gotcha. actual physical blend to make it work. So in that sense, everything we make is, is informed by those three different perspectives. Um, so, you know, we have a, a quote on our new product that says, we're all, you know, working in this craft where no one ever becomes a master. And in a sense, that's true. Even those guys that I just named, Eladio and Benji, um, as you get older, you lose taste. So as you sure. gain experience, you lose the ability to differentiate taste, yep. which is kind of a- you know paradigm. Yeah, uh, paradox. paradox. And then you have um, the fact that these guys are spent years trying to recreate a Cuban cigar, where that's the last thing I would ever want to do. I want to create the best Nicaraguan cigar. Okay. Um, and so um, I'm an, you know, <laughs> always kid. Uh, Jose Blanco and I had this discussion all the time. Jose Blanco is very well known for being kind of a super taster and knowing, having an encyclopedic knowledge of tobacco sure. from the Dominican. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's like, it's like a, you know, it's almost I always kid him. He's like a dog that hears in frequencies that no one else hears. So he's conducting a symphony up here in his 97th iteration of a blend that no one ever could tell the difference. (laughs) I'm down here in the average (laughs) tasters. So, you know, if it tastes good to me and I love it, and if Mike loves it, then we've covered two ends of the spectrum, then it's going to be a good cigar.
1: To you guys in the industry, what is the most common misconception that's out there?
0: There's a romanticism that people throw on top of this commoditized thing in order to differentiate it. When all you really have to do is differentiate the thing, you sure. know what I mean. Right. Um, it's not so much the fancy label or the box or the story or you know how your granddaddy was a tobacco plant or your uncle smuggled seeds in his ass and you know <laughs> all those things don't matter. Right. The the thing that really matters is do, are you? Everyone knows. Everyone in the cigar business generally knows how to make a cigar just like that. Okay. But all the things you have to do to do it
1: that's the hard part
0: it's hard making those decisions because it's money because it's time because time is money um uh because they're just consumers they don't know the difference because no matter what i have to use this tobacco that's left over from other tobacco so if i put a really cool story behind it um that makes the difference you know um you know the the real kind of look behind the curtain Wizard of Oz thing in the cigar business is that there is no special tobacco. There is no uh, magical seed. There is no guy who knows something that no one else knows. The real trick is, do you have the knowledge to know when it's right and do you have the discipline to and the patience to do it the right way consistently? And do you have the capital and the profitability in order to make the hard decisions to not put something out when it's not ready or to to destroy something that would ruin your reputation sure um, or to put a little bit extra into the material of of something um or do you just spend a few extra bucks put a fancy box a fancy label and make up a bullshit story Right. that makes everybody like it for a couple of months
1: sure so the misconception isn't just a magical thing or a great story it's the fact that you're putting time and effort into making something that's quality that you know you like and you want to smoke sure. and like you
0: guys said pretty much
1: you make cigars you want to smoke and the rest <laughs> goes out to everyone else out there
0: and that's the easy part it's doing it again and again and again and yeah. again and again the hard it's, work to that's, keep that's, yeah, producing that's the hard that. part
1: so social media obviously has been just a big part of this whole uh, cigar industry as well. And you obviously have a good presence on there. But what are you doing in the social media aspect to help highlight your brand?
0: So the the easiest way to answer that is social media is a little bit of an equalizer. It allows a company our size to reach people uh, with very little amount of resource expenditure you know before when you created us, i mean there's a lot of really experienced latin kind of guys that have been working in the cigar industry for decades that can make a, the most brilliant cigar in the world um but they have no way to let you the, the guy up in in minnesota know right. hey here's this really product that's exactly what you've been looking for um what social media really allows us to do is we don't have to buy $50,000, $100,000 ad buys and cigar aficionado. We don't have to get ratings to be recognized. We don't have to get people to do feature stories on us. Um, Somebody can do an interview like this, reach out to a couple of new guys. Um, We can post a really cool picture of barbecue and then somebody goes, oh, these guys also make cigars. Um, Just the fact that there's 10, 12,000, 15,000 people watching our Instagram feed or our Facebook feed, is allows us to have a, a very similar reach to the hardcore influencer market of cigars, the same way that Hoy de Nicaragua or Davidoff or those guys do. Um, so that's the, the main kind of feature of it. The biggest thing for us, that, that we the way we've used it, is we've used it to cultivate one-on-one relationships with consumers in a real engaging way. You know we don't we don't project we have a romacraft to back account that really is just replicating or publishing pictures that our uh kind of uh, customers have posted in their own accounts um we have a facebook page for romacraft which tells, says hey there's a there's a new boveda podcast out here there's a you know an article in this place kind of pointing them to that but really the the core of our social media activity is danny me mike uh doing our own lives giving people an insight into what it's like traveling on the road and, you know, people he's met in the store up here, he engages with them the whole through the rest of the year. Sure. So that when you actually kind of run into them again, the next year you're in that region, they're like friends with you, you know? And they, I mean, I can't tell you, it's kind of a little weird, but there's people who know what I ate, where I traveled, (laughs) you know, when I take vacation, you know. Your daughter,
2: where your daughter's My daughter got a
0: new bicycle. I mean, they know all that, which is a little bit weird, but it's really more, of an extension of how people are really connected uh, yeah. to us.
2: In a, ge- as, in a genuine way. Yeah, not right. as
0: personalities, but as cigar smokers.
2: I can, That's I, the way our whole social media engagement is. From, from, even from the tobacco, right? So when we when we launched, we didn't have bands on our cigars, right? Really? It's not about, you know, the three inch band or the, the, the gold and the coins and all this other right. stuff, right? We, we wanted to, you know, talk about the tobacco. Right, and, and you know this goes back into preconceived notions, and, and when you try something, right, like you know, when you have a La Florida Mennonita, it's going to be you know big, robust, you know, lots of flavor. If you have a Davidoff, it's going to be mild to medium, kind of with lots of nuances, or uh, you know, Hoya Nicaragua, big, bold, you know, or Padron. Like you, like if I said here, this is a, this is X, <clears throat> it's from X manufacturer, you have a notion because you've had that before, right? Right. So with us, it started off with just try it. I know what you smoke. I know this is going to be in your wheelhouse. Just try it, right? Sure. I'm not going to tell you about the price point. I'm not going to tell you about who makes it. Just, just have it. And then when you got wowed and you had that wow experience, and you're like, man, that's great. And I said, what if I told you that was eight dollars? You're like, holy cow! You know, like, how is that possible? Right. So the uh, yeah, we we have a guest that's leaving. <laughs> the uh, that's Mr. Steve Saka. Nice. So yeah, from
0: um, he's came to Weasel a few things. Yeah, so, <laughs> we but, didn't have a hat that fit his humongous head. Yeah.
1: Tell me about that. I forgot to ask this. What does the weasel mean here? And what does that mean to you guys?
0: So, um, you know, the origin story of the weasel is, uh, and I always try to give credit to him since we trademarked it and make all the money off of it. (laughs) I can at least give the credit to, uh, and I don't know if he invented the term, but Brian Hewitt from um, Stogie Review um, used to use the term all the time. Like, oh, man, watch out. This guy's a weasel. You know, and, and sure enough, he you know he'd come up. Hey, what are you guys doing? What are y'all smoking? Oh man, I didn't bring my travel humidor. What do you got? You know, yes, he, <laughs> had, he had two cases:
2: one that he would smoke, and then one that he would have for to. Yeah, so he, like had, he had he had the smoke, he right?
0: had the so. we, the weasel door, which was you know this was the cigars that I had gotten from people that I knew I would never smoke, and I always have it on hand to give to that guy, and. Um, you know, and then there's kind of the guys that are around each other all the time. And it's like when you'd see him, you'd go, you know, "Hey, what do you got in your pocket there?" And
2: "Oh, if you had the new craft, right? Yeah. Or if you had the new right. whatever." And it's like, "Oh yeah, I got some hair. Here's one for you." Yeah.
0: And so um, you know, there's negative and positive connotations to it, but um, you know, from the beginning because we 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 weren't a big company, there were a lot of people that were would come up to us and go, "Hey, man, uh, I know I know uh, you know, whatever, but I can't find Craft anywhere. You think maybe you could, you know, break me off one or two. And so like we had these these guys who were kind of ended up being kind of our most engaged consumers who really kind of had to, you know, beg and borrow to get the things that they were trying to get because they couldn't get them where they were. Sure. So when I would go somewhere, you know, they would go, hey, oh, you're in town. I'm going to swing by there. Hey, you got some cigars that I have never smoked, you know? (laughs) Um, so so yeah, then we just kind of said you know that those guys that we kept running into is like oh those are the weasels, nice. and then and then they started uh, calling themselves the weasels, and then um, you know as a group we kind of collectively when we would go to IPSPR we would try to you know kind of break off and go see what we could get <laughs> samples wise from other people. So
1: so how strong is your weasel game then Jedi. on a scale of Jedi, nine Jedi. To, <laughs> uh, on a scale of one to ten how good is your weasel game?
0: I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you this, and then you're going to hopefully, you know, I'm giving you a little bit of my secret here. I'm so good that I can you I can get you to give me the cigar that I want and make you feel good about the fact that I'm smoking the cigar that Ooh. you gave me.
2: Actually, I, you, I, <laughs> do you see that that little box, that little cedar box on my yeah. table right there? Yeah. yeah you yeah. mind grabbing that for me? Yeah, I got it. Okay. I'll, so, I'll show you. So I don't know how you get better
0: than that.
1: So but. you're a ten. You think you're 10?
0: At zero to 10, I'm a solid 9.8. Oh,
1: just a little bit of room there's for There's always air. room for improvement. So, just in case he doesn't get so, it. So we were
2: talking about unicorns. Here, open this up. Show your people what this is. This, so this is uh, the of Saka. This is the unicorn. That uh, So this thing retails for $100. And like I said, Saka came here to visit. And,
1: $100 cigar right And here. he
2: was kind enough to bring me oh, one because he knew that I had, had one. So
0: that's Jedi level right there. Well, that's an that's a 8.7. Oh, come on, man. Let me tell you what a An nine eight
1: point seven.
0: Let me, oh, tell, what's right let me tell you what. Let me tell you
1: what Nice. Where did Steve go? Can I get one of <laughs> these too? My right. weasel so game, huh, man. A, I can't find this you're anywhere. Like a I don't know
2: where this is. Not, <laughs> 5 not, 5 a good 5. weasel <laughs> would have been like, "What's that taste like?" And I'd be like, "Oh, you know." You yeah, know. Nine point eight. This
0: nine point like? eight is. You hear Sokka talking about this thing. You give him a little grief until he says, "Have you tried it?" And I'm like, "No, man. I haven't tried it." But you know, can it be worth a hundred dollars? And you give him so much grief about it till to, 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 he makes a special trip over to your house to bring you two of them <laughs> with stickers and ask for your opinion. Ooh. So that's a 9.8. Oh, that, that's uh. pretty good, but
2: I'm saying he did come all the way to Austin <laughs> <Hey>. and deliver. <laughs> and deliver. So, so, so what's
0: your score at? I don't know. That's a, 8. That's a solid nine. It's a solid 8. 8. 8. nine. Oh, Mike, Mike did, You're Mike a did convince a, a Davidoff white label retailer to sell him a box of $5,000 10-count box of Oro, Blanco. Oro Blancos for about, for a trade. Oh, that's <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> a trade that, that was...
1: Mike, I'll bump you up to a nine on that yeah. one. <laughs> Thank you very much. Man.
0: I mean, Oro Blanco, $5,000. So, so, hey, come on. But just to tell you, 8.7, 9.8, <laughs> Mike would go around. He would say, hey, my goal is to get these three cigars at the trade show. He would go around and get them and then... I would end up being the one smoking them. Oh, yeah! So, well, I'm, I'm, a lot, <laughs> I'm a lot. I'm a lot. I'm a lot busier at the trade show <laughs> than it is, You know, so it,
2: it's okay. It works out. Oh, so no. yeah.
0: So it, basically, it's a. Um, it's essentially the guys who are in our. I don't want to say fan club because I'm a fan, right? right? Um, I think it's just the guys who kind of recognize. And follow recognize the quality and follow our company. And you know, they sure. smoke stuff from all kinds of companies. I don't want guys who just only fanboys that only smoke kind of just our stuff or right. collect stuff. I you know, I don't get cigar collecting um uh, or wine sure. collecting. I right. you know, um our intention is to smoke every bottle of beer. Over there. Drink, drink every, uh, bottle, we just drink every bottle. of beer? Yeah. 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 Um, or we have drink a, every yeah, bottle of beer. We have a lot of bottles. I don't know if you saw that or <laughs> yeah, not, but yeah, we have a lot of um, bottles. a lot of
1: bottles. You'll see that in the tour as well.
0: Yes. But our um our kind of focus is to to stay connected with those guys. And and one of the things that we you know we can kind of recognize them in the wild is if they're if they understand the weasel, uh, nice. the ways of the weasel. Perfect. Yeah.
1: Well I appreciate you guys opening up your door allowing us in um very very much thanks yeah. thank you very thanks much coming thank you. you for coming yeah um, absolutely you can catch more box press episodes on our social media platforms every bo- uh, podcast platform that you can find it on youtube as well facebook and instagram again thank you guys both
0: Remember thank you guys. Ways.